And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. Tonight, I have Abby from Motor City Nerds here with me. Once again, we are actually doing our Game of Thrones after show for House of the Dragon. This is a spoiler review for episode three. Oh, yeah, and I also have a little bit of announcements to make in a few minutes once we uh, start this thing off. So let's go ahead and do this. and how you doing abby i'm good i'm i'm i it, it was a good day it got eventful but it's a good day that's always a good thing that's always a good thing today was yeah. a good day in the words of ice cube but <laughs> but here's the thing that i need to talk about tomorrow night me and the rest of the my co-hosts are actually going to be on the scene invaders podcast and that episode will get pushed out for Friday for a bonus episode. So if you want to hear us about what movies and TV shows mean to us as far as a certain episode of a TV show or a TV show in itself or a movie in itself that united people together, take a look at that. Also, too, we're also doing our four-way battle of characters that are going to be facing off against each other and stuff like that also on the on their podcast. So it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun night of us just goofing off and just having fun with the Scene Invaders crew. I cannot wait to actually talk with Dan and Brad and all the rest of the guys over at Scene Invaders. So go on ahead, give them a listen, and without further ado, let's go on ahead. Let's talk a little House of the Dragon tonight. So also, that's a great that's a great set of things to talk about. Just to put that in there, I like that. And with it, thank I, you. I like that. But yeah, let's this episode. I mean, I'm, I know we're gonna get into it, but I I do think that this was some of the coolest, including Game of Thrones choreographed fights and dragon things that we've seen in Westeros at all. Like, oh, definitely. So good. Okay, so this is what I want to do first. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of synopsis of what the third episode entails. So this is called The Second of His Name. It takes place three years after the conflicts of the Stepstones region have escalated. Lord uh, Corliss and Prince Damon battle Corgus Dyer and his pirates without support from the crown, which remains neutral regarding the southern realm of their situation. So that's just a little bit of a small synopsis, but there's a, a lot to detail whenever it comes down to House of the Dragon or anything to deal with uh, Game of Thrones. But, of course, now we're actually seeing an older uh, Ri uh, Rihanna and Rhaenyra. Yeah, thank you. See, I call the characters different names all the time. Oh, but yeah, Rhaenyra. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, Rhaenyra is actually showing a little bit of adolescence. She doesn't like the fact that, you know, her dad wants to marry her off to uh, to the Lannisters or anything, to Jason Lannister and stuff like that. And she wants to get married on her own terms, which is something that I do appreciate the fact that she wants to do and things like that. But as a king, as someone that's in part of royalty, she has no choice but to do that. But I like how he gets advice once again. And she goes, she has to be told she doesn't need to be told that she needs to do it. We have to put it in her head. But I'm thinking that there might be now. I don't know, and I was saying this in my review. I don't know if I brought it up with us last week, but I definitely was getting a vibe of maybe Rhaenyra is gay or bisexual, mm -hmm. and and I was I just was I like was thinking that too. But let me tell you, let me clear something up though with that. I just think it would be an interesting wrinkle if they did. Because it would be like, not only did I like Alison Hightower, and then her betrayal becomes even bigger than just, but I'm also somebody who stands friendship. I think friendship is really important too, but it would also be like, not only do I not want, I want to choose who I marry, but I'm also just like, not interested in that. And it's just strictly political because eventually she is going to get married, but it's like, that would be an, I thought that might be an interesting little way they went with it, but if they might not. Well, actually on the bonus features and stuff like that, that they have for the TV show, the producers and stuff actually came out and said, Hey, look, that's not a relationship between, oh. between them. And I thought the same thing. I thought the same, the same thing too. I was shipping it the whole entire time. 
Okay. No, I've been avoiding the after, just, you know, I've been avoiding the after the show thing. So if I say anything out like that, then okay. I, I like that they're just friends then. Cause I think that that's something that people underestimate. I think that the word friend should be taken more seriously than it is sometimes. Exactly. But let's rewind a little bit to the opening scene that we see. That was an intense battle scene at night with the dragons. I thought that, here's the thing, when it comes down to darkness and stuff like that within the show itself, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes you're not able to see everything and stuff like that because of depending on your TV and picture and stuff like that. For me, I couldn't really see that much. I loved it so much, but this is another thing, and I know that I talked about this with you, but this is another showing of Damon being a master of PR. Mm -hmm. Like, even though this guy gets obliterated we hear the soldier yelling our prince prince damon's here prince damon's finally here but it definitely was a little dark and it definitely was but i'll tell you what else though that i really liked was when you see the crabs eating uh one of the uh one of the other soldiers and stuff like that i'm like oh my god this is like davy jones from pirates of the caribbean kind of level stuff that i haven't seen in a game of thrones kind of style i'm like that is very grotesque coming from them and then also too oh, yeah. the the, I, I fanboyed over the dragons breathing the fire and then killing everybody at the catapult and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool cinematography on that part. Oh, you know, I thought that the shots out of the cave when they were showing mm -hmm. the fire going by was so cool. Those were so That's very cinematic. Those were beautifully shot. They really were. Also, yeah, the crab thing, I, that's what I was saying. I'm like, crab feeder's a pretty big nickname, and I think you it's one of those things that you hear, but until you see it, you're like, oh, whoa, no, really gross, really bad. Don't like that. And I, and I just, I think I think that I, I think it's a really good way to go we're back in westeros yay dragons but then we go whoa this is brutal we're still in this mm -hmm. brutal rough world right because this also brings up everything that happened in the first two course of the two first two episode with the fleets and stuff like that with the ship and now we're actually seeing how much of a danger this is after two years of, of war. now now it's actually two years now has passed and i i'm giving them a lot of credit because this was one thing that i was really worried about was the time jump and i think that they're and i complain about this all the time with things when it's like don't spoon feed us like stupid little babies and they are handling it very well with like just dialogue just going like oh mm -hmm. it's second name day and it's this and it's that and i i do like the way that they're handling time jumps and the they have, and how quick they're moving exactly that's how i feel though too about this though too the time jumps is actually perfect especially whenever you're wondering yourself as an audience like okay how far along are we within this time period and everything too because they don't tell us how long we are or anything like that so right. we have to so basically we have to assume uh, x amount of time has actually ha has actually happened happen but then once you see the characters having the dialogue oh it's been two years and the baby just got born he's two years old he's having his name then you also see uh well we have middle finger now we we well we have little finger now we have middle finger but Otto, I, I was gonna say but if, if people notice i didn't realize i i didn't realize and i should have that um damon says this in the throne room to in the first or in the first episode when he tells the king he goes otto's a, a second son he won't get nothing that's why he's doing this and we noticed that otto's older brother who is the lord of high tower is the one kind of pushing Otto to do stuff and he's the one because to name your kid Aegon is a huge deal because of Aegon the Conqueror you're really saying something with that and when his brother is cheering going oh I'll hail Aegon the second of his name the Conqueror babe and cheering for him it's like oh you're really pulling strings too over here and I liked them showing that same here he's using him as a puppet to do his own bidding and we don't know what his game actually is unless he wants him to get killed so that way he can actually be the concierge 
library of the throne to where he can tell him what to do. No, I'm not oh. gonna get I'm not gonna get too crazy with you guys, but I think that I, I think that the high towers kill the dragons. Like not directly, well, but like indirectly. They they want the it, it, like I was said in the other one, they don't call it a dragon, they call it a weapon. They call it a weapon. And so it's like high towers, maesters are all about science. So I'm like, are you guys gonna that's that's been a theory in the community for a long time? But now I'm like, if you're gonna go with that, that would be that would be interesting. Well, don't forget though, too, whenever Daenerys comes around, the dragons haven't been around in years or centuries. So it makes more sense for the dragons to go away. Because if you if don't forget though, too, we also have uh I oh, keep Viserys? on Viserys. Yeah. Every sometime when you mention Viserys, he's always being proud of the fact that he has dragons and stuff like that, too. It's like, look, dude, you're being too proudful on what you're doing. You need to slow your roll because just because you have a good defense, you need a good offense, though, too. Right. You, and I thought that it was very telling when throughout the episode, we have the first non-creepy Lannister twin come up and the very beginning, yeah. like, no, we, you look, it, it looks weak. You look weak. Then we have all the women sitting together under at the pavilion and they're essentially saying, no, we are at war and your dad's just not doing nothing. I love polite smack talk. It's like my favorite. And mm -hmm. so I love that. But we have them kind of saying, your dad's looking weak out here. And then we have the creepy Lannister coming up later on and saying, uh, well, if you wanted more dragons, if I had that to offer, would you want it? And he's like, are, are we weak? Do you think we're, do you think we're weak? So that keeps getting brought up throughout the episode that Viserys is looking weak out here. Right. Another thing though, too, is you know how basically, uh, we wind up seeing his daughter winds up calling him out on his own BS and he has that little smug look on his face. I'm like, Ooh, she just hit him in the juggler with that. Oh, I um, love that. The I love that back and forth. And I love that he didn't deny it. I love that he was like, no, you're right. And it's, and she's like, yeah, you could have done the same thing. Why should I have to do something just because you didn't? So I love that. I do too. And then of course we wind up, like I said, we wind up having this, uh, the two year old son. He has his birthday. Of course you wind up seeing Otto and his brother talking. He goes, you know, this is actually the heir to the throne. Could actually be the next uh, king. He goes, well, right now he's playing, uh, he just ate oatmeal, oatmeal out of, out of his, with his hands. So I don't think yeah. he can do much. I cracked up laugh. Oh, I laughed at that. And then what was the, the other one that I literally laughed out loud at was later in the episode when, uh, Corliss's son says to his uncle, uh, you've been nothing but the master of complaints. I swear to God, I'm going to use that. You've been nothing but the master of complaints. And I was, oh my God, I cracked up. But I did, I love that line too. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into too much, but him being two is also significant. But I'm just, like I said, that's just I, my nerding of Westeros coming out. Oh, same. And then we actually have the Stepstones with Pylon updates, uh, about the war. He doesn't even want to hear about it at all. He's like, look, man, I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of doing this. I just want to spend time with my kid. And because it's his, his second birthday. So I don't care about the war. I don't care about what's going on around me. I don't even care about if my daughter's going to marry anybody. All I care about right now is the name date. That's all I care about. Yeah. And I will say this as much as I like, I do think Viserys is a goober and, but he's, I think he's a gen, I think he's genuine. I think he genuinely loves his family. I think he genuinely loves his daughter. I genuinely loved his wife. Like, I think he is, I think he just wants to have a nice day sometimes, but then it's like, you need to remember who you are. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't really notice this until I rewatched the second and third episode that he speaks a certain kind of way with, and I don't know if this is the actor's choice or the director, but either way, it's pretty awesome. When he speaks with Alison Hightower alone or Rhaenyra alone, he talks one way and then whenever anybody enters the room he his voice gets a little bit deeper and sterner like he knows but it's just like I wish you did that on a bigger scale my dude well it's like he wants to show everybody who's boss but at the same time like when everybody talks to their family members differently like I said before when we hit we had Damien and uh you know when we had that scene set up at the very first episode you know is all we talk to our family in a different way compared to our friends 
So therefore, oh, sure. he needs to show dominance over the people. Otherwise, if he talked to to the people like he talked to family or whatever, it's just not going to work out. They're going to yeah. And it, I just noticed it because it was like slightly done, and and I just either way, I just wanted to give credit to it, and I liked it. And I'm right, just, I did too. If if Viserys was just actually holding it down and doing that on a bigger scale, you wouldn't be looking this way. I liked that that sneaky because they they're kind of not really name dropping him often, and I believe it's Lord whoever the Master of Laws is. And I'm going to get torn apart if I don't. Lord Lionel, the Master of Laws, who else is on the other guy on the small council? His, I believe that's his son who's got the jacked up foot who comes up to the women to sit down. And I'm like, we got to remember this is Game of Thrones still. That guy's not just going to sit with the ladies just because. He's definitely sitting there collecting information for this Intel. and going like, oh, and it's like, you know, you know how to play your role. You might have this disability, but you know how to use it. And I, I thought exactly. that was a really good way of going like, remember this world and sneakiness. Exactly. I could definitely see see that and i liked how they played off that narrative of the fact that he has a disability so therefore some people are like well you know this dude has a disability it's okay he's just gonna be fine he doesn't know anything he it's has also, a disability so you know very reminiscent to uh Tyrion. you're underestimated right. because of you're a dwarf and then i i did like them showing all the women's it was almost like the scene in uh in goodfellas when she's like and all of them are just sitting here accepting what these guys do and and mm -hmm. uh, and she's looking all you know what scene i'm talking about i felt yeah, like it's the scene in the hairdressers where basically yes. Karen, Karen is still a fish out of water, basically. So she's basically trying to get used to how a mafia wife is supposed to act and exactly. how she thinks. And they're all talking about their kids, how bad they are, how horrible they are. So it's the same kind of scenario whenever you yeah. look at this kind of thing, too. And trying to find her place in this world as well. So I definitely know what you're talking about. And yeah, I definitely, that's the first thing I thought when I saw, I was like, oh my God, this is just like that good scene. I love this. But it was, it was almost like, yeah, these women talk smack and stuff, but none of them are really playing the game of Thrones like Cersei was or like Rainey's, uh, the queen who never was, is. None of them really do. They kind of just are gossiping. And you can see that Alison Hightower has accepted the fact that they're all complacent. And she's accepted that this is what women do. This is where we belong. And Rhaenyra's standing and won't sit down with them and is like, no, yeah, I'm going to go do whatever because I don't want to be a part of this. And it's I really like them showing that these women are complacent with being cogs in the machine of this patriarchy. Same. I definitely like that. And then, you know, and then, of course, you know, you have Rhaenyra who's still trying to find her place and things and there's that friction that brokenness between her friend and even whenever she has to call her my queen it's gut rushing you can tell that it's hurting her in a way still after two years definitely i definitely think that i now i have a theory i don't know how many other people feel this way that i think that allison was being very genuine this whole episode like there's a couple times where like she's trying to say like rainier i am queen when they're in the god's wood and she's like get out of here minstrel like, I see what you're doing there, but I do think she was being genuine when she tries to check all the other ladies, and she's like, I think Rhaenyra will be a good ruler. Like, she's, I think she, I think just like Viserys, Allison genuinely wants, like, can we just come together and be a nuclear family for a minute and be cool? Like, please. I genuinely think she wanted that until we get to the scene of the king being way too hammered at that fire. And he starts saying, imagine being all knocked up, uncomfortable in the woods. This sucks. <laughs> and then your husband tells you, I never wanted to remarry, never wanted this, mm -hmm. never thought I, and it's like, man, and especially to like a young girl like that, where it's like, okay, you're hitting her right in the feelings. And I think that that, uh, I think, I think after that is when she's maybe not fully flipping, but starting to realize like, I can make moves too. And I might have right. for my kids. Exactly. It's like the woman of the household tilts the head while the man is not he may think he's in charge but really i'm the one who actually is the one who's operating here and she's, and, you're not. and like 
especially comparing it to Game of Thrones, where they didn't underestimate, like Tywin doesn't underestimate women. He doesn't underestimate Elena Tyrell. He knows that they can be ambitious and stuff. Nobody's just splurting things out in front of the ladies of the court in Game of Thrones. But in this, they kind of are. And they, and I noticed that with Allison a lot, is that a lot of people were having conversations right in front of her. And I'm like, you guys don't even, that's that. But I also think they're trying to say like, that's how little, same thing with guy with a disability. That's how little you look at these women. Like they, exactly. there's no way they could, they could play the Game of Thrones. But really, they're going to mess they it can. up. They're going to they're gonna mess it up for you guys soon. Well, for example, we actually saw how Daenerysi winds up breaking the wheel in Game of Thrones. Women have a huge dominance when it comes down to the Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. And, so, and that's something I like is the woman of power and the regime of women being in power. And also, too, because men are high strong. We're easy enough to get killed first before, the, before anything. Women actually have a chance to actually think on their feet without having to show any kind of emotion and to yeah. think things through with more thoroughly than a man does. I'm just being completely honest. And well, especially but, back then, it was more like, well, it's survival. It's going, and I tell people that all the time. I'm like, where where a man is uh, gifted with the ability to bash my head in if they want physically, women, we have to think, we have to maneuver, we have to, we have basis. Like, that's just, we, we have, if we don't, we can get hurt very easily. So I, I love the way they're handling this. And that was always, I got a really interesting comment on my channel that was about, they said, I'm like, no offense, but I, they just felt like Targaryen women are the reason the house fell. And I was like, I always thought the kicker is really the women the are the ones doing everything. <laughs> and the men are the ones that are just kind of the face of the Iron Throne and then screwing things up. <laughs> Did I freeze for a minute? Oh God. Oh, but I also wanted to bring this up too, because I know I talked about this with you before, but I definitely think that, I, I don't know if they, if they said this in the after the episode thing, but the costuming department, I really like how Damon and Rhaenyra are in this bright red and black in the first two episodes. And now Rhaenyra is kind of in that, in the still in the scales and everything. But Viserys is always in like almost a faded black. And I thought that was really, I think that's a really cool way of showing this. He, he still has black and red, but it's not the black and red that Damon and Rhaenyra are wearing talking about, I didn't know if they brought this up or if it's a thing, but the costuming, where in the first two episodes Rhaenyra and Damon are in that bright red and that bright black, and then even more so, Allison Hightower rocking that red, that means something. But also Viserys, is always, his black isn't as vibrant, and it's always, there's still black and red, but it's not as, as Damon there. and Rhaenyra's is. Right, because it's to show royalty and dominance over everybody is what it is. And I like the little details in the costuming and stuff like that. Now, as far as being part of the after show and everything, I don't know, I just watched that one little small thing because I happen okay. to hear about it on another podcast. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. So I just dived into like that little thing. I said, now from here on out, I'm not gonna dive into any of the other after stuff because I like to go on my own ideas. Exactly. No, I feel the same way too. And then uh, another thing that I liked, and this is just like symbolic. I mean, this had a lot of symbolic stuff. When you start throwing in white stags, we're getting real symbolic. But like when they show the gluttony and the feasts and all this going on at this at this birthday party, for lack of a better term. Uh, the hunt, the royal hunt, and then we show what's going on with the crab feeder and how they're struggling. And it's like, I really liked that juxtaposition. I thought that was really cool. Because all this time I'm like, okay, let's focus on the war now. I was like, I need to go back to where the war is being taken place because I'm like, okay, is this an introduction to a new Game of Thrones villain? Is this going to be like the Ice King? My mind was going all over the place whenever I saw the introduction to that whole entire thing with the crab, uh, with the crab and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, is this a new villain that's coming in? And is this going to be the new baddie? Is Damien going to die? Uh, that was another thing too. I was like, is Damien going to die? And then, then all of a sudden that becomes the, all of a sudden that crab person winds up becoming the villain for this whole entire setup. That was my, my mind went all over the place. 
I was getting really nervous that I did not want the crab feeder to be the main antagonist. And I was like, I want this done by mid season. I'm glad we're through it. I really am. I'm, but I, I love the way they handled it, but I'm glad that we're doing that as quick as we are. And then I totally just blanked on what I was going to say next. So there was something about uh, the crab feeder. But no, I definitely like how they did the crab eater and stuff like that. And then the cosmetic makeup for the crab eater was just fantastic. It looked really ocean-like. Oh, that's it. That's and, it. And scaly. Okay. So then my friend hit me with this. My, I gotta give him a shout. My one of my very good friends growing up, Poncho. He's me and him are both just freaks about this. So we text all the time. He texts me and says, "You, because I thought that we were gonna get a reveal of exactly who the crab feeder was, because he looked burned." And I was like, "Do you have a vendetta against Targaryen House? Because you look all burned, bud." He texts me and says, "Do you think it's grayscale?" And I was like, "Shit, I hope it's not grayscale." But then I brought that up, and one of my subscribers commented, and they were like, "Yeah, but it seems as if the Targaryens don't really have get sick like regular people." And I was like, "Oh my god, wait, that is a thing in the." books like there's a whole plague that hits the east but daenerys is totally fine and she's going around people that with it and she's totally good so i don't know if they're going to touch on that a little bit but i was like please don't let this man have well, grayscale please don't let damon have grayscale i refuse well, re to acknowledge it remember though lord friend zone had had that that's what yeah. i call him i call i call him lord friend, friend zone but yeah lord friend zone actually had the grayscale and so and we saw the implications of that being played out in Game of Thrones. So I didn't think about that at all. I was just like, okay, Damien is coming over there to wreck, wreck their world. Because number one, they're hiding in the cave. Yep. And, you know, and then he beats the heck out of the other guy who's uh, who doesn't even want it. They're all turning against him. Yeah. So then, after you see that one scene, he winds up rowing the boat because he knows there's no more help that's going to be coming because of that letter. It reminds me of a cutscene from a video game with that when he's rowing in there and oh then you have that dialogue being played out. And then you see him go over there. He's waving the flag. I'm like, no. I said, dragons are going to wind up burning the hell out of this uh, yeah. out of this guy. That was my first in in intention. But I like how the tension is not solely focused on the dragon right away or anything like that. It's a slow build up to the dragons, to that war where everybody's oh, yeah. coming in at one time. So I knew it was going to come, but I just didn't know when. And I like that slow build to it. See, my thing was, I, I okay, the sword that Damon has is Dark Sister, which is my personal favorite Targaryen weapon. So I was like, don't you dare put Dark Sister down. I was like, don't you dare. Don't you dare put Dark Sister down. We don't do that. And then when he came up with the dagger and did that run through, I was like, this is sick. This is so sick. It was so well done. But I, of course, we all knew he wasn't surrendering. And it was just to draw them right. out. But I was like, I, I want to know if Matt Smith ran across that sand because he probably did. I don't know if it was him, a stuntman. I don't know the last time anybody ran across sand, but that shit's hard. And he was actually in metal, especially in armor. Man, right. He was booking it. He was going so fast. I was shocked. I was like, man, you are giving Tom Cruise a run for his money right now. Exactly. But you know what? This also reminds me of D-Day in Normandy, where yeah. you have that uh, Saving Private Ryan type of feel to this. And my, my, my part of me was like, oh my God, is Damon about to go ahead and actually forfeit? I'm like, no, there's more to Damon than that. He's too smart to do that. I'm like, no, then I see him waving the flag, and then I'm like, ah, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. You're drawing them out. I'm like, okay, I got you. It was so funny because at the end of the episode, my mom just leans forward and goes, I see why you like Damon now. And I was like, what? Did you just think I was a psychopath? I was like, geez. I was like, thanks, mom. But uh, I, I really loved the, this is what I mean when I'm like, especially in this time, the reason like Robert Baratheon was so loved was because he was so loud and he was a good, he was good on the battlefield. He knew, he knew how it looked. Damon knows how it looks. You normally don't want to smash in an envoy's head. That's bad. But to him, it's like also when Corliss yells at his brother, he's like, I don't want to mutiny. Not only do I not want to mutiny, you know who just pulled up and you know what's going to happen. But by Damon, and I personally think 
that Viserys knew Damon will do something reckless and this could possibly get him killed and then I'll be done with the Damon problem. That's kind of what I think. But I think Damon was just showing them like, okay, smash your head in. Remember, all of you remember who I am and now watch me go and pull the Michael Jordan of fights on the beach now and like a boss. And it's same thing with, do you really think he needed to saw a man in half? No, but he knows how that looks. And he knows that when all these soldiers and all these common folk go back home now that it's over, they're going to tell everybody what they saw. They're going to tell everybody what Damon did and, I, and how epic it was. And it's like, that's a big deal back then. It's all word of mouth. Exactly. And I think that was actually a perfect way to actually end that episode with a huge action sequence of that slow build to that, which I appreciated. Everything else to me just seemed like a little bit of a side plot, a subplot in yeah. a sense to get to that point. But the reward is so much better and better served that way, though, in my opinion. I feel like that we earned that right to have that payoff at the end versus yeah. it going because sometimes I'm like, OK, did I actually earn that payoff at the end? Of something or was it just given to me on a platter it's like here you go here right it's for you and but a lot of i get nervous i got nervous i mean i when they first announced this i was like i don't want just spectacle don't just throw dragons at me to throw dragons at me where i know i joke and say stuff like i was like uh there are gonna be dragons in your dragon show right like i, joke, I remember that yeah like i joke <laughs> around about it but i'm like no i get it but i just didn't want them to go dragon 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 and not have the story as much so i do appreciate the, what they're doing and everything and i did like uh the stuff with rainier killing the boar and then we have Viserys killing something that's being held down that's what another thing like people are going to go back and remember that they're going to remember like mm -hmm. remember we had to hold that stag down and while he stabbed it and he could barely have the stomach for it and then it's like and then we see the, the daughter come back bloody carrying her own kill with she came out like a guy. boss yeah and that was sweet and I was like oh okay and I was like that speaks volume and I'm not going to get into it but I've, hmm. I'm sure you know like seeing the white stag is a big deal in fantasy King Arthur yep. that's a big thing and you never want to kill the white heart you always just want to touch it and let it go and the fact that it showed itself to her is a big deal but yeah we don't have to go down the king arthur rabbit hole no because i can go down that rabbit hole too believe right. me but uh, the thing that i like we were you know how you were mentioning to me about women about how they're women of power in game of thrones game of thrones and house of the dragon well look at what renera did she ended up killing a hog a wild hog which is supposed to be something that was a hunt specifically just for the men and she comes out on top and be like look I can, I can do more than just serve people drinks. I can do more than this. And that's what she did. She she She's like the black sheep of the family. She's coming up now. And then, of course, you also have her knight that she actually had. And I love, and I, you know what, though? I want to see them two to get together. That's what I want to see. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't want to spoil nothing. I don't want to spoil nothing. I'm like, don't. I'm not going to spoil nothing. But I'm Because like, oh, I'll tell you why. Kristen Cole, I you're a cutie pie, but I'm watching you. I see what he's doing. I see. Right. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you why I want this. It's because of the fact that it's not the paint by the numbers kind of thing that Hollywood always does. Oh, let's go in ahead. Let's crown her a king because that's what we're used to and accustomed to. So I want them to go with someone that's outside of the realm of that. Yeah. And even though it's not about, even though it's about how the house is and about protecting the house scene between yeah. her and him and when he says well I thought it was very telling when she says do you think that they'll ever accept me and he says uh, I have no choice but I, when they're walking before then he says a lot of people would want to switch places with you and she's like yeah until they realize what I have to do and she's kind of complaining
complaining. And then he says, well, before you announced me to the Kingsguard, I, we weren't that big of a deal. Like I owe you everything. So I, I really like that conversation between those two. I thought that was really, I like that a lot. Same here. I thought the chemistry worked between the two of them, which is why I was sold on the whole relationship thing to begin. Oh, for sure. Uh, and and uh, back to when, just to get this out real quick with, I have kind of an issue with them really shoving this prophecy down our throat, but mm -hmm. a whole other thing, because I felt, at first I felt like, are you just bringing this up to remind us of the previous series? And I don't, and I want this to stand on its own. That's all. But now I'm like, remember what Melisandre says, prophecies can be fickle things. Prophecies drove the Mad King. Well, the Mad King was already crazy, but drove him, drove him even more crazy. There's been several other Targaryens that have been, that, that have been drove crazy through prophecies. So I was like, oh, is this going to be a part of that? Is Viserys is going to really start obsessing about this to the point of I'm not okay? On top of what you were saying, where we think the Maesters are doing something to the Iron Throne, like I still think that even though they didn't even point that out, I'm glad they didn't hit us over the head with another thing that he's doing with that. I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, well now because... outside of the Maesters, I think those midwives are up to something. It seems like all of us are just being like conspiracy theorists. It's like, okay, the Maesters are up to something. Now and the wives are up to are. something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bye. Uh, the midwives really, like, I really Midwife. noticed them staring at Alison Hightower. I mean, and you would be. You'd be worried about the, the royal family's pregnancy, of course. But it's just the way that they're looking at each other and stuff like that. I'm like, and that's like why I, when I call the maesters sneaky rats, I'm like, these are the people that are birthing your children. These are the people. And, like, you go to the hospital. If something happens, you listen to the doctor, right? And right. you go, okay, I don't know. Maybe are, do you guys have something to do with issues happening is what I'm saying. And so I'm like, I don't know about those midwives. I don't know. And you guys are around that air a lot. But I also thought that it was strange that I like that they don't say it's weird when he offers for Rhaenyra, when Otto Hightower says, you should have her marry Aegon. They don't bring up the fact that them being siblings is weird. He brings up the age being weird, because that's what I've been waiting for. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to keep ignoring the fact that... This baby is two years old? Yeah, well, yeah, that. I was glad that he said that, but I was like, are we going to... We need to acknowledge the fact that family marries family here, and it's gross, but it, they do do it, and they are... That's normal to them. So I, I didn't understand why he was going... I, I did like that they didn't say that was the weird part. I like that he was saying the age is the weird part because Targaryens are weird and they're all about the incest life. Yep. And, that, that, and, and get this, I even have it in parentheses, weird, for my notes. Right, oh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, see, like, I just have, like, all the stuff from the hunt right here, and then, like I was saying, when Alison Hightower and the king are speaking at that fire, she calls him my love. She's like, oh, what, my love? And then he's like, meh, I'm hammered, and I'm saying a bunch of stuff I shouldn't. Yeah. And it's like, like I said, I mean, I wasn't a teenage girl that long ago, but it's like, man. It's only been two years, but she had to be forced to uh, grow up very quickly during that era, so that's something, too, that we have to take in consideration as well. Because right. she was just a, basically a servant girl who was actually just there for him and then she winds up becoming the queen which also winds up becoming you know uh, not Vesera, uh, but basically you know when we wind up seeing of course Rhaenyra as her mother now so that's a new step. And of course, she's going through an adolescence phase now. That's the thing, too. I, I think they're doing a very good job of showing, like, these are young girls, like teenage girls. And that's what I mean. Like, I'm I'm not that old. And I remember when it was like being a teenager. And it's like, it's pretty emotional and stuff. And then it's like to have the guy you're married to while you're knocked up with this kid saying that to you. I I think that I think that that really hurt her and woke up Allison Hightower to, I got to mm -hmm. be an adult for real now. She, she might have already had kids and stuff like that. But like, now it's like, I really have to draw that line between mother and friend. Yeah. 
deal. And, you know, I feel bad, though. I, well, not bad, but whenever you see the knight chasing after her, I'm like, she's going to get this dude killed. Because that was my other instinct was, you know, the king is at a, as a place where he could probably get killed, like, out yeah. in the open and stuff like that. And, as a matter of fact, we actually see that in Season 1 of Game of Thrones, where we wind up seeing the king get poisoned. So, my thing is this. I was thinking the whole time, well, you have the knight who's supposed to be protecting your father, who you actually appointed him as the heir to to protect him and here you are doing foolish stuff and making him run after you when he could have either your father could die or the night that you are making him serve to protect your father to die that's true and i wish that they would show more of the members of the king's guard because i feel like we're focusing a lot on yeah. Nicole as if he's the only one hanging out i have in my notes from earlier in the episode he don't know where rainier is at and i'm like why doesn't anybody know where the member of the royal family is there should be somebody with a member of the why don't you know where she is so i was like well this is the second time that she's gotten yeah. out and that's why i was like is that why you gunned it after her this time because you didn't want to be like oh I misplaced the air again uh, so I was like is that why you went so fast after her but I right. really do want them to show more of like the other Kingsguard gotta start getting salty with him right like he's pretty chummy with everybody exactly it That's seems like everybody yeah everybody's their buddies and stuff like that and then you know I like how basically you have one of the Lannisters offering the hand of marriage and stuff like that and you wind up seeing Venera uh, not Venera uh, you know who I'm talking about yeah no I, I can we just talk about the fact that twins run in family so we already got yeah. Jamie and Cersei and now we have Jason and Tyland and yep. I really like that but I also like that they're identical twins because you can do a lot with that like I'm I'm sure in the Game of Thrones world having somebody identical and if anybody read the books you know all about like the fake Arya that's running around and that's not even a twin she just has the same features and they're passing her off so it's like if you have an actual twin you could do some really interesting stuff with that definitely I can't wait to see more of what we're going to be getting into as far as the Lannisters go and things like that so it's definitely things are actually picking up a lot better in episode three, even though if, uh, the first two episodes were really good. This was the one that set everything up, in my okay. in my opinion. But other than that, though, the sh I, I loved it. I'm loving where things are going with it. I can't wait to see more of this. Uh, basically, we're actually almost at the halfway point almost because we actually have 10 episodes and the last episode is going to air on October 23rd. Oh, wow. God, it's already September. No, I can't. I, I really feel like they've done such a good job putting so much into three episodes already that it's just like, I, I'm geeked. I really am. And because at first I was giving it flack because there's a lot of setup to the Dance of Dragons, which is going to be the main conflict, which is the civil war between the Targaryen family, which we are setting up for. I didn't know that we weren't getting that full conflict until season two. So I was kind of worried, like how much and what are we going to focus? There's a ton of Westeros history, like the Stepstones and everything like that. But I was like, okay, so which parts are we going to be focusing on the most? And I was kind of, but now I'm not, I'm not worried at all. I'm, I'm thoroughly entertained. And outside of being a Westeros free, I think this is really good. I do too. It's really well done. And let me just say this. I, I don't know if you saw the tweet that I actually put out though, but it had Tony Stark and basically he said the Targaryens have been banging for centuries. That's how dad did it. And that's how I'm going to, that's how we, that's how Game of Thrones did it. And that's how we're going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, this, this was the thing too, like, especially, and I, I mean, I talk about this all the time, but like when they announced Corlys Valerion and everyone was like, oh my God, black. I was like, well, one, I have an argument for why that's a good idea. But two, I'm like, uh, so banging your family, we're all cool with that. I was like, we're all fine with that. But that's God, where the idea for me to do that quote came from. Yeah, but I'm so. like, yeah. God forbid we have a biracial family on screen, but if sis sisters and brothers marrying, fine. Uncles and nieces marrying, we're cool with it. 
what what planet am I on? But then I'm like, God, the only people upset about that are stupid. And I'm loving Corliss. I think he's, I, I, Me too. I, he's, and I've been saying this, I think that Corliss is like, like I said, he's a cooler version of Ned Stark almost. And I think he's really going to be the heart of this show, him and his family. And then Damon's going to be the fun. He's like Scar from the Lion King. I'm, do you, right. are, are you supposed to love him and what his morals are? No, but is he a fun character to watch? Hell yeah. Definitely. And I like how he draws that line in like the last episode of Is your weather getting bad? A little bit. So we're going to have to wrap it up. Unfortunately, yeah. we're not going to be doing a full hour like I wanted to, guys. Well, but I was going to say, I'm down to talk more if you want to. I mean, whether we do it here on my channel, whatever, if you're free at all this week, let me know and we can just. I sure will. We, we can just BS about it if you want. And hey, I'm fine talking some House of the Dragon, to be honest with you. I, I could talk about this for hours. And yeah, I haven't. And also, yeah. we, got, we got pushed back the first week because of COVID. We got pushed back the second week because of my power and then Labor Day. And so it's like, and now hey, you life happens. Right. But I'm just like, yeah, if you want to just BS about it, just let me know whenever you're okay. free time. Sounds great. And I just want to mention everybody, this is actually going to be the official day is on a Wednesday. It's not going to be on a Monday because I figured this. I've been getting a lot of people that are loving the show and it happens to be on a middle of the week, which is actually perfect because everybody can ha actually have a chance to watch the show and then come and watch our show. So I think that's actually perfect. And I just want to mention this. I just published uh, the spoiler review on the audio podcast. If you don't have time to watch it on YouTube, it's on the audio podcast on the go. I just published it today. I just got done. Um, matter of fact, I just got finished uh, editing and everything about an hour or two ago. Published that. Yeah, you've really been cranking it out i've been trying I've to like you've been editing for like 48 hours straight i swear to god i'm like every time i open up an app i'm like geez john's editing again or has he just never stopped i just never stop but one time i didn't start stop editing until like one o'clock in the morning once oh yeah and then i had and then i got up for work at 5 30. oh my god man yeah yeah and i do i definitely do think that people are I definitely think a lot of people are tuning in, but personally, like people that I've been talking to, a lot of them have been watching it either on Monday or later on and, or they wait, or a few of them were like, I'm going to wait till a couple episodes are out. And then. Which is understandable. You can yeah, actually yeah, digest it. Right, and watch it the way you want. Yeah. But yeah, no. And then what time are you on with uh, Scene Invaders? Well, this is not, with Scene Invaders, is not going to be a live show. It's just going to be audio only. Oh, okay. So basically, the, we're going to shoot it tomorrow night. And then Dan told me, told me that it's going to be... Did I lose? Yeah. No, no, no. You didn't lose me this time. Okay. Oh. But basically, what oh, I was I'm trying to curious. say... Yeah. Dan said that it's going to be as a bonus episode coming up on Friday. So stay cool. tuned for that. So we're shooting it tomorrow night. It should be up on the on their podcast at Innovators over there. Also, too, visit them on their YouTube channel as well. They also have a YouTube channel. So with that being said, if you want to follow Abby, all her information is in the links below. Don't forget to smash that like button. Don't forget to hit smash that subscribe button. Don't forget to comment below. Friday night, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. I'm going to be back over here for our She-Hulk review. We didn't do one last week or anything like that. I actually had some stuff that came up. So we're combining three and four together. So the first half is going to be episode three, and then the last half is going to be episode four for She-Hulk. So if you guys want to catch your She-Hulk stuff, it's just going to be on YouTube, and that's it. It's not going to be on no audio podcast. So always until next time, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. I can't wait to do this again, and have a great and safe rest of your night.